What's going on, everybody? This is Real Talk with Ezra. I am your host, Ezra McNeil, and this is the sixth episode. Now, today we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, he needs no introduction, but I will give uh, you guys the introduction. It is our president from Virginia State University, Dr. Mikola Abdullah. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you, too. Good to uh, see you, too, young man. Well, uh, I'm very excited about this episode because not a lot of people see you outside of the the meetings the yeah. the press conferences yeah. the you know introducing who you are to you know tip tab all of that right. so this episode is called what happens when the suit comes off now yeah. uh, for those who don't know who you are I'm just gonna give you give them a background of who you are from you know places like the Richmond Magazine and the Progress Index so okay. you know you have been the provost and senior vice president at Bethune Cookman. Yes, sir. Um, the provost and vice president of academic affairs at Florida Memorial. Yes. For 15 years, you've been a professor, a dean, and an associate vice president of research at Florida A&M. Yes, sir. Uh, but besides that, you are a grad of a great HBCU, Howard University. My second favorite school. Right. <laughs> as well as getting your master's and PhD at Northwestern University. Yeah. And you actually accomplished a great goal being the youngest to receive a PhD in engineering at 24. Yes, sir. But besides all of that, uh, a lot of people don't really know, you know, the son, yeah. the father, the husband, who you really are when the suit comes off. So, um, you, you know, being born and raised in Chicago, how was all of that? Let's, let's just start from the jump, you know. Man, look, I, uh, thank you. Thank you for asking. I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a pleasure right now to talk about myself as a son because I, I, I love my mama. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a, in a, in a single parent household in Chicago. Um, you know, I wouldn't, there are definitely people who had it worse, you know, than I had it. So I'm not going to sit here. You know, sometimes people brag and, right. you know, I had it, you know, I came up so bad, right? I, it, it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mother was an entrepreneur. She was a, a psychologist. Wow. And, uh, you know, we kind of hung on the, on the, on the edge of, 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 of a middle-class existence. Um, paychecks for entrepreneurs aren't always regular. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we would have, and sometimes we wouldn't. Uh, my mother was gone late at night because the, um, you know, the idea of seeing patients was something that, that she'd have to do in the evenings. Um, but she did a wonderful job raising me and my sister. I have a sister who's nine months younger than I am. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about that because it only takes nine months to make a baby, right? And my, right. my sister is nine months younger than I am. And so we grew up like twins. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that, that's my ace right there. And so uh, that was, uh, it, it was something else. I think the, the thing that, that my mom instilled uh, in me early on, in both of us, me and my sister, uh, was the idea that we could do almost anything we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, she, I think her genius was in, she treated us almost as adults when we were children in terms of the way she would make us responsible for things, mm -hmm. um, how she would engage us in conversation. You know, she never, if we did something wrong, you know, we had to face the music quick. Uh, there were no passes because we were younger or right. because we, you know, because we were cute. Um, uh, she expected us to, to do well in school. She expected us to do our stuff around the house. She didn't have to say it twice. Mm -hmm. um, and she treated us like we were grown with jobs, and so we acted like we were grown with jobs. And so, um, you know, she's, she was really something else. Now, just to give you, um, uh, she's currently, uh, my mom's a little older, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, she, she didn't get around as well as she, as she used to. And right. so, you know, I just went to visit her, but it's always good to, good to see her and, and uh, you know, uh, catch up and, 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 and remember 
you know, how much of a foundation that she gave me. Her, her and my dad. My, they weren't together, but mm-hmm. my, dad's a, my dad's a good man. Yeah, I was about to ask, you know, yeah. you're saying that you being raised in a single household. Yeah. I was sort of that way, too. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had my grandfather and, um, you know, older male cousins that were around. Yeah. So how was it him not always being there? You know, I, I think it was, um, I think in some ways it was tough. Uh, but to try to to deal with that, I think I did what a lot of young men do. Kind of what you did is to is to look for people to be you know mentors and father figures. Um, I've always and, and again I'm, I don't think of myself as unique, um, but I'm sure like a lot of people I I didn't always tell everybody who was that they would be my mentor that I was watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was a man who was doing you know some some good things, I liked the way he moved. I liked the way he he acted, the way he treated women. Um, uh, the way he was professional about going about what he did, uh, I would commence to mimicking that behavior. Uh, and so there were a lot of people who, who really helped me out. Uh, some of them know that who they are. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of them know that they were mentors of mine. And some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, was, it was just good for me to, to, to I, I think I was taught early to look outside of, look in the family, look outside of the family, right. uh, and do the best I could to, to find the right men to look up to. Oh, yeah. Um, in Chicago, yeah. How was the neighborhood? Because you know, in recent years, we, sh- Chicago has been yeah. sort of placed or named as this this bad place. You know, with right. a lot of crime and such. And I've met people from Chicago that say like they don't even call it Chirac. Right. They right. hate it when they call it Chirac. Yeah. So how was the neighborhood you growing up in Chicago? You know, I grew up in a. Uh, in South Shore, so people who would who who would know Chicago would know that's a okay. a pretty decent uh, middle class neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom bought a house in South Shore, and so it was, you know, it was nice. There were some places kind of around uh, my neighborhood that were maybe a little rougher than it was where I was. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it wouldn't take but more than a couple of blocks of a walk to find a, a difficult spot, you know. But you know, and I think everybody knows this, whether you're from the city or from the country. You know, everybody knows where it's good to go and, and where it's not good to go. It doesn't take you long to figure that one out. Right. Uh, where you should go before dark and where you go after dark. And so um, my immediate neighborhood, my friends, everything was, was kind of cool. But we knew that, you know, you don't want to, you know, go too far up on 71st Street uh, 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 without looking around and knowing where you are, you know, mm-hmm. being aware of your surroundings. Uh, but I was also really fortunate. There, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, even folks of ill reputation, mm-hmm. um, who thought really well of, of my mom and thought really well of me uh, to kind of try to help steer me, you know, out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, you know, it's, it's really interesting to think that, you know, some of the folks who were, you know, doing, you know, illicit things, or, you know, on the corners and, and stuff like that, that when they saw me, they would, they would actively kind of push me away, mm. you know. And, uh, you know, I got to, you know, when they, when they say it takes a village to raise a child, it, right. really, it really does. And to have, you know, to have folks who, who, who would really look out you know, and say you're not you're not about this, and you're not supposed right. to be about this. You're going over there, young fella. You know right. that was. Uh, when I look back, uh, I'm really really proud of that. At least they respected you, and they knew who you were, and they just wanted to make you safe. They did. They did. It was it's either that, or they were scared of hell right. of, of my mother. Right. You know, it was one of those two things. I think mm-hmm. it was probably a combination. But, did you? Uh, yeah. Did you feel as though, like at a young age, that you were sort of destined for you know the positions that were granted to you as life? Oh yeah. Came oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, but when I say that though, um, you know that was a, a such a belief 
uh, that again my mother kind of gave to me and my sister you know that she thought that we were special that we could do a lot of things um, but that we were going to have to work for and that we had it like one, one of the only things she told us when we were I couldn't have been more than seven eight years old and she said if you don't get a scholarship to college you won't go mm. and we both looked and said well why not she said because you're smart enough to have one right and if you don't do the work to get yourself a scholarship to college. I'm not paying for it. Mm. Um, she said that and didn't say another word about it. Like for years. We wouldn't, 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 even, talk, wouldn't even talk about it. But I knew that she was dead serious. Yeah. You know, and so the, she made us feel special. She told us that we could do anything, that our success was preordained. But in between now and that success, that we had to put in a whole lot of work. And if we didn't put in the work, then that means that we didn't respect or honor the gift uh, that God gave us. And so... You know, we knew we were, we knew we were special, right. but we knew that we had to work for that. We needed to work for results. Yeah. So work. Yeah. Your work ethic. Yes, sir. As okay, so now you basically sounded like you told us, you know, what you were going on in elementary, middle school, yeah. and maybe say half of high school. Yeah. Let's go to the junior and senior year of high school. Yeah. Um, how was that? Well, you know, in regards to your work ethic and knowing what you wanted to do, like. In regards to your major, right. going to which college? How was that? Those like those later years of high school. Man, look, real talk. So, high school was actually a whole other story. So I go from the South Side of Chicago, which is almost all black. Mm. Um, I get a scholarship to a prep school um, north of Chicago, a very expensive, uh, prestigious prep school called Lake Forest Academy, a place I'm on the board of now. Okay. That was literally like culture shock. It was a whole nother existence a whole nother environment where it wasn't just you know people who didn't look like me but people who didn't look like me who had fantastic um at least for me levels of wealth and privilege that I couldn't really even fathom I didn't really even understand I didn't understand how everybody you know didn't just have a car when they turned 16 but everybody had a luxury car you know and, mm. and my mom at that point didn't have a car at all we didn't have a car as a family and, and kids have cars and so it was just a whole nother life and lifestyle. It was a boarding school. I was lived on campus. So I, I moved out of the house when I was 12 years old to go to boarding school. Mm. Um, so I, I think in between trying to figure out a work ethic and, and, you know, junior, senior year, when I figure out what I want to do in my life, it was first just trying to see, can I compete in this arena where I wanted a few blacks here, um, where it's a whole other environment. I'm living away from home. You know, I'm not, so it's, it, it was, it was crazy. Um, I, that transition, I think, taught me that I, and that we, uh, can't compete with anyone, anytime, anywhere. Hmm. Um, when I look at young people today, young people at Virginia State, you know, what I want to holler at them is, is there's some people who might have more money, but that don't make them brighter, it don't make them stronger, it don't, it don't mean that they have more character that the things in this world you can really go out and get. And I think I had a chance to see that, having to really compete and say, well, wait a minute, you know, I can, I can do this. So mm -hmm. um, I think learning that I could compete uh, and then finding out I was good and, you know, kind of the math and science thing is what kind of steered me towards engineering. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. How was the, you said it was a culture shock. Oh, yeah. Um, how was the community, um, them looking at you, walking down the hallway like, oh, snap, like, he, he doesn't look like us. Man, it was, it, was, it was like this, you know, poor little black kid who came from the south side of Chicago. That's how, you know, I mean, 
we had to wear suits every day, you know. And, uh, you know, they had their, you know, blazers and penny loafers. And, you know, I had my um, baby blue uh, church suit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know, so it <laughs> was, it was on. That's, that's right. <laughs> I, was, I was rocking my one suit for, for months, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was really, really different. Um, and I think it took me a sec to get used to a lot of folks. I think it took a lot of folks a second to get used to me, mm -hmm. yeah, me, me and my friends. The good thing is, is it's a school of 400 kids. There were about, there were four uh, black young men in my class. And to this day, we are, you know, thick as right. thieves. Those are my brothers. Wow. And, uh, you know, so I had some of, my, some of my best experiences up there, but it took a minute. Wow. Yeah. With, with experiences, were there um, moments, let's say, in regards to racism? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, racism is a learned behavior. Right. And kids don't start out as really being racist or having, you know, prejudiced it's, it's ideas. Taught. It's taught. It's learned. And so... When you're in a school and you watch, you know, kids go from freshman to senior, what you really watch is young adults grow up and start to adopt their persona and what they believe and what mm -hmm. they think. And so, you know, you felt like when, we, when I was in school that we were actually watching uh, young white kids who, when I started, you know, they were cool, you know, we were all good. Um, to start to internalize some of the, the feelings, some of the beliefs of their parents and start to move away from you and, 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 and change the kind of ideas that they had as they became a senior. And so that was tough, kind of watching that process, watching folks who early on, everybody's just friends and, you know, mm -hmm. we're all just kids playing around. And then at some point, we're not all just, we're not all just kids. And so uh, it was real uh, and important. I think an important experience for me. Could you say um, one particular moment that was just like, whoa, uh, this is this is out of hand? You know, I, I, it, it's hard to go back. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a little old, so it's right. hard to come back and pick one particular one. But I do know that there were some people. I was, you know, by the time I got to my senior year, I was one of the people who really excelled in, in, in math and in science, AP calculus, AP physics, all that. Mm -hmm. But that there were still folks on campus who thought of me as just an athlete. I, I ran track and played basketball. And would kind of talk to me as if, yeah, you know, have you thought about getting an athletic scholarship? And I would look at them like, well, first of all, I ain't that good to get an athletic scholarship. <laughs> right. But if you know anything about me, you would know that an academic scholarship is what we're chasing. So it, it was, it, there were more subtle, subtle things in terms of how it was viewed. I think some of the, the larger things, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody ever came out and called me the N-word. Right? Right. You know, I don't have anything dramatic like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was something that you could feel and that you knew. So it was yeah. there. Okay. So you graduate. Yes, sir, I do. You get your... How, how was getting the acceptance letter to Howard? Or which schools did you um, apply to? Man, look. What, I applied what was to, that like? I applied to only two schools, Howard really? and University of Illinois. But let me tell you this story. I tell this story all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I had some, some inkling. There were some schools that were looking at me for full academic scholarship, very prestigious institutions that I won't name uh, today because I don't want them to have to go back in their records and look me up. Um... <laughs> And I was really interested in going to some of those schools. And mm -hmm. I told my mom I was going to go to one of those schools. And she said, no, I want you to go to an HBCU. Specifically, she wanted me to go to Howard because she went to Howard. Okay. And I told her, no, mom, I don't think you understand. You know? I said, I got these scholarships I'm going to get. You know, I can go you know, wherever I want. And she said, boy, I don't think you understand. Mm. She said, if you don't go to an HBCU, I'm going to disown you. you know, I'm not going to buy you no underwear. I'm not going to buy you a oh, plane ticket home. She was real. She was very real. <laughs> but, but she also, in hindsight, she knew what I needed. You know, she knew what I needed more than I did. Right. And so then I went to, uh, I went to visit, 
uh, I went to visit over spring break. And it was spring break at house. So it wasn't as many people up there. But, I mean, you know how it is. 16, 17 years old. My hormones, I'm all excited. Mm -hmm. I get on campus. I see nothing but these beautiful people on campus. Mm. And at that moment, I said, yeah, I want to. This is where I want to be. (laughs) So she was smart. She knew by taking me there, it would change my entire thing. And so... Um, I was really excited. It, it would. I was super excited to get a scholarship to go to Howard. Man, it was everything. Full it ride. Was everything. Full ride. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up. So yeah. from Lake Forest. Yeah. All the opposite of who of who you are. Yeah. To going into a, a an arena. Yes. The mecca of people that look just like you, brother. What was it, like, brother? Let me let me tell you this. Uh-huh. It was so incredible, right? That I have been in college the rest of my entire life. Mm. Think about that. I loved Howard so much. That's you. I never left. I'm still here now. Right. <laughs> I'm still here playing in the murals. I'm still trying to play. Co- I mean, I'm still doing. It was such an incredible experience for me mm-hmm. that I thought it was the thing. And after I left, I wanted to be a part of. I still wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to help build others. I wanted to be a part of existence. It was, brother. That was. It was. It was by far the best time. Best time in my life. I can't. The friends that I made. The. School, the professors, everything. Man, it was, man, it was incredible. And, it, you know, when I was there, it, it felt like it was just okay. It wasn't until I left that I really realized, oh, my gosh, this was. Wow, this was it. Yeah, where else are you going to be around? It's, it's like here at State. Where mm-hmm. else do you get a chance to be around so many young, vibrant folks who are trying to get it done and, you know, reaching yeah. out and doing podcasts and doing this and doing yeah. that? It's just an exciting, creative time. I, I loved it, Jack. I loved it. So, loved it. So from what years? Um, right 86 there. to 90. 86 to 90. Yeah. Okay, so during that time, what? Lakers and Magic. No, Magic and, and yeah, yeah, Celtics. Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, it was right before, right before Jordan started kind of coming up. Right? Okay, hip-hop. So, I mean, he was up, but he was hip-hop, hip-hop. right. So Eric B. and Rakim and uh, yeah. KRS-One was uh, the first hip-hop albums I ever listened to. Ed Howard. Wow. So you know, Salt and Pepper came and did a concert. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it was like that. Yeah, it was like it was like that. And what's um uh, 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 Diddy was in school with me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was in school. He went to high school with my mom yeah. in Mount Vernon, in New York. <laughs> and, and, and and money earning Mount Vernon, that's how right. people said, right? <laughs> that's so, true. You know, so a lot of the the folks who were the hip hop stars then mm-hmm. would either come to campus and do concerts or they were our age. They would come to campus and hang out. Right. You know, it wasn't anything to see Kid and Play or to see Salt and Pepper on campus. Generally, by the way, with, you know, Puff, or Heavy D, with, with Puff, he was doing that kind of work, right? right? I mean, I, they weren't my friends. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was the part of the, the whole vibe that was happening, man. It was, it was just so much energy all the time, man. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I loved it. There's, I loved it. I and loved also, it. what, by that time, A Different World came out? Cosby's and stuff. Well, I think it did come out around that time. So it was just the hype of being at an HBCU. Oh, it was man. At oh, an man. all-time high. Uh, Spike Lee. Um, um, do the right thing. Do the right, do the right thing. But the, one, the one before that. Um, She's got to have it? No, no, no. no. The, one, the one with the, about college. What college days. Uh, school days. School yeah. days. School right. days. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean it, was, it was like we were living that at that time. Just living in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, so. Sorry, sorry. No, that's all right. So, um. You graduate, you get your degree at Howard at what age? I get, I graduate high school at 16. I graduate wow. Howard at 20. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 16 to 20. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, okay, let's backtrack. At 16, <laughs> yeah. what were your goals? You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, as real talk, as real talk, I, I've always just been do the best you can today. Mm-hmm. 
and let tomorrow be tomorrow. And so I didn't have a lot of real huge goals beyond the next thing. I just didn't. I didn't because so many of the people who I, I spoke to or, or, you know, in the community didn't really do a lot or, or, or so many people had, had, had done. And again, a, a good middle class, uh, a decent middle class neighborhood, but still people going to jail and doing stuff. Right. I never really fathomed life beyond 25. Hmm. That had never crossed my mind. Wow. And I don't know why, but I had never fathomed life beyond 25. So it was pretty much just go to college, do good stuff. I'm not even sure I thought about like what kind of job I would have. Mm-hmm. I just thought go to college. You know, I didn't have big and lofty goals. I didn't. Okay. You know? So at 16, you didn't know. Yeah. How about at 20? That's four years. At 20, by the time I hit 20 and graduated from college, I realized I want to work at college. Okay. And I realized that in order to work at college, I need to get a PhD. Mm. And so I had my bachelor's in engineering. I knew I wanted to get a PhD in engineering. And so um, originally I was going to go to, I was looking at going out, out west, you know, maybe to Berkeley or Stanford. They got great civil engineering doctoral programs. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, there was an earthquake that happened, if you look it up, on, this, on the fall of 89, which would have been the fall when I was filling out applications, mm. during the World Series. And they actually had to stop the World Series game because it started shaking. Athletics. That's right. Oakland. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was watching that game, wow. filling out an application. Wow. And I said, I don't want to be in, I want to study earthquakes, but I don't want to be in earthquakes. Right. So I changed my mind. I threw that application out on that day, and then I decided to go to Northwestern, which is outside of Chicago where I'm from. Right. Uh, and work with a guy who did some earthquake research at Northwestern University. And that's, how, that's what got me to Northwestern. Right. So um, before asking about your experience yeah. um, with Northwestern, yeah. did you picture yourself where you are now during that time? No, no, no. There's, there is, I would say, until maybe two or three years before I came to Virginia State as president, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever thought of myself as a president. That had never crossed my mind. And at that point... Um, you know, this whole wearing soup thing is relatively new. It's, it's an mm. administrative thing, probably in the last, well, not new, but probably in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. But before that, dude, I didn't have any suits. Like, I mean, I've, I had the large collections. I, I, had, I had Nikes and, and mm-hmm. Jordans, and I had basketball jerseys. I still have jerseys, like triple XL jerseys <laughs> at the house wow. that I used to wear, you know, with my, um, you know, with my baseball cap and, mm-hmm. and big jeans. And, right. That's how I taught the first couple classes that I taught. When I was a professor, when I was first a professor. Really? When I walk into class at 26, 27 years old, um, yeah, I was, I mean, you thought I was Iverson. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I got down. And so the idea that you had to, I knew you had to wear a suit to be an administrator, to be a provost or a dean. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to rock my J's. Now, wearing, wearing that, wearing yeah. the jersey and stuff, did you do that as a tactic to get the students to know that, you know, they should be comfortable and, and... I am, you are me, I am you, to get them to, like, pay more attention, or just did it because that was just I'm you? Sure, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that was part of it. I'm mm-hmm. sure that was part of it. But it was also just, it was just me. You know, my, my wife said that uh, until I started wearing suits, I, I didn't, all my shirts were wrinkled. Mm. I didn't even have a polo. Like, I, I wore T-shirts and jerseys when I wanted to and jeans wow. and sneakers, and that was it. You know, I was on, I was on Teen Summit. Years and years ago, B-E-T. with Ananda, Ananda Lewis, wow. and I had a, I had a baseball cap when I was on that. I was a professor. You see, I had a, I had a rugby shirt. I had a shirt with a collar on that day, mm-hmm. and my jeans and my and, and I think I had felines on that That's day. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just. I felt like I wanted to come back, be a part of a university, teach, do research, but to kind of do it in a way where it was really comfortable. That was always really important. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward. Yeah. You get your master's and your PhD yes, sir. at Northwestern. Yes. You, were, you were 20 years old walking into Northwestern That's University. Correct. That's correct. 
with having classmates that are probably in their 30s, 40s. Yes. I know that's a culture shock too. <laughs> like you, you, yeah. you're still young, and these students, these classmates are full blown families. Yeah. How was that? How was it? Man, look, I, I think the the thing that I I did, I was the age of a lot of the undergraduate students. Okay. And so socially, I hung out with a lot of them. So in some ways, I had two undergraduate experiences. I had, I went to Howard, and then I went to Northwestern, almost really as an undergraduate. Mm. I played ball every other day. Um, you know, I would tutor kids in the, in the thing. I would go to the parties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really, for, for what most people thought, I was just, you know, a freshman showing up at 20. I was an old freshman. Well, I didn't, I didn't hang out to freshmen. I hung with the seniors. But right. still, I was, you know, right. I was more like an undergraduate student. I, and because I wanted to create an environment that was comfortable for me, mm-hmm. I really latched on to every single person on that campus who was black. If you were black and on that campus, you knew me. Mm. If you worked in the mailroom then we played ball together. Mm-hmm. And if you were a secretary, then I tutored your kids. And I created almost a mini, you know, kind of black environment at mm-hmm. Northwestern just by getting to know everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. So, you know, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, it, it turned into a nice experience. Wow. Um, you, you're a history. Yeah. Being 24. Yeah. Black. Yeah. Getting a PhD in yeah. engineering. Yeah. Not a lot of people. I don't. I don't think anybody really have ever th- has ever thought about that. Yeah. But you did it. Yeah. What was that whole? What What was all of that about? Like, how was the feeling of 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 you know making history? I think it's history. Well, thank you, sir. I, no problem. I think it's. I think it's. Two, it's. It's two parts. I think one. You know. I mean. I don't want to be. Uh, uh, you know, crazy and not. You know. I mean. I. We did good work. You know, and I'm proud of the work that I did, and I'm glad we were able to make it there. You know, so I, I and, and, and I had some good people who really mentored me along the way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, glad. I was really happy to, to, to accomplish it. But the more, the more distance I get from it, the more I start to hear, I start to realize that the real success in that was that at that time in the world, that young black men were given a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean... I'm gonna give myself. I, I did the work, so I get I, I get to take some some level of credit, right, right? Right. But I'm certainly not the smartest or the wisest person ever, mm-hmm. you know. So clearly, there were people who could have done it before me, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that young people didn't get the chance to do it in the in the, in, the, in the '80s, in the '70s, in the '60s, in the '50s, you know, mm-hmm. it it kind of speaks more to the fact that the doors still aren't as wide open as they need to be, right. you know, because I'm not. There are young people here. You know who are more brilliant than I am. Who, if given the shot, can make that happen? And we got to make sure that we, you know, that we give chances to everybody. It just it speaks more to me of, of making sure that folks have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I mean, I'm glad I ran through the door. Mm-hmm. You know, but somebody had to. You know, there's some people who who, who came before me who had to open up that somebody door so I could have that right. shot. Right. Um, and I gotta if I don't give them respect and honor, if I don't give the ancestors the, the, those kind of honors, and I'm not, then I'm not paying attention. So I mean, it it felt good as an accomplishment, but the more I move away from it. There's less of it that's my accomplishment, you know, and more of it that's accomplishment of the people who didn't get a chance to get it, mm-hmm. who fought to give me the shot. So, right. so yeah, man, I, you know, I want to stand up for me and stand up for them too. Right. That's wow. That's mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Thank you, sir. Um, no problem. So, that's the sun aspect. Yeah, yeah. Educated, young. Yeah. Black man. Now, let's say you're looking for love. I'm looking for love. You find your wife. I find my wife. How was all that about? 
How was that? Bro, I'm going to tell you what, that is an entire podcast in and of itself. Right. <laughs> um, and I'd love to have her tell you the story, because the funny thing is, you ever talk to married people? Mm-hmm. The stories of how they met and how they get together, mm-hmm. it's always two different stories, Jack. Right. Always. And they're always great, in that they don't agree. Yeah. But it's some great stories. Right. <laughs> but I, I think the thing, so I won't go in and tell you the whole story, because that's it's unfair to do it without my wife, because yes. it don't fit without her. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that really got me, though, was, you know, I... I how old were you when you first met her? I was 20. I had just graduated. So I was, 20, I was 25. My okay. birthday happened. I was 25. She was 21. Okay. 21, 22. She, she was going back for her senior year at Tuskegee. She went to Tuskegee. Okay. So this was the summer between her going, me graduating from Northwestern with my PhD mm-hmm. and her going back for her senior year. Okay. So we're only four, three and a half years apart right. or so. Um, but because I was kind of accelerated education-wise, we, we, it was a gift. Um... I met her through her family. I mean, it's really crazy. Um, I knew her family. I knew her, her dad and her mom. And she is the oldest of 11. Mm. And right in the middle, so there's her, and then there's two girls on the other end. And right in the middle is a bunch of boys, all around the same age. And they wanted somebody to help mentor the boys, take them out, mm-hmm. and uh, take them to play ball, and just kind of hang out around the house. Right. And I just agreed to do it. I thought they were cool. I mean, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't a paid gig. It was just, I thought that the boys were cool, the family was cool. I liked to play ball, so it was all good. And so mm-hmm. I would go and hang out and do that and take, take them to play ball, and we played ball together. This became kind of an older brother to them, right. you know, kind of a step between father and and, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole time I was doing this, um, I didn't even know they had a daughter, older daughter, because she was away at college. Okay. And in a family that big, they just didn't talk about people who wasn't in the house. Right. So I, had, I literally had no idea there was another sibling that I just didn't know about. Right. Knew her younger sister, knew her older sisters. I mean, knew her, her brothers. And um, summertime came around and she came home. And I was like, who's this? They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, this is our, this is our daughter. Mm-hmm. And we just really hit it off. We just really, really hit it off. I thought that she was special and smart and intuitive and caring in a way I wasn't. Mm. You know? I mean, I'd like to believe that I am those things. I'm not saying I'm not right. those things. Right. But she was smart in a way I wasn't smart. You know what I'm saying? She was caring in a way I wasn't caring. Mm-hmm. And so being around her... I felt like I was learning and I was a part of something that I had never really seen. I thought I knew life. Mm-hmm. And then I meet somebody who's really so different, but so great. And I just wanted to be around her all the time. Wow. And that's, you know, we met and we were around each other all the time. And, and that would have been 90, 96, 94, 95, 95. Okay. Uh, that next year, I got a job and moved out of town and she came with me and we got married. Wow. So it took what? Two? It was about a, a little over a year because she, she, okay. she graduated. So it was the summer after okay. that we kind of started. But oh, yeah. So yeah, after that, you was just like, well, when, when you met her, that initial meeting, it was just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some, you know, that, that story's a, a little longer than that. Right. <laughs> um, but there was something early on that let me know that we were going we to be together for a long time. Wow. You know? um, and so we, we moved down to Florida in 90, that was 95. We moved to Florida in the summer, I think I'll say of 96. Okay. I might have some of these dates wrong. And then got married in December of 96. Mm. Had a wedding in July of 97. Okay. Well, and I'm, so we've been uh, 20, it'll be 23 years in December this right. year. Yeah. I'm still not even born yet. You said right. July. <laughs> right. I'm born right. in December 97. <laughs> I'm still not even born yet. Um, speaking about birth. Yes. Let's move into the father side. Yes. 
Uh, who's the firstborn? It was your firstborn son. Firstborn is my son. Your son, firstborn right. Firstborn is my son. Um, and I got to be careful because these podcasts will go out and my daughter will be mad at me because people will know her on this thing. So uh, I, can't, hey. I might not talk about her too much. Sorry, Sam. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, first son. Yeah. How how beautiful was that? Birth is, birth is beautiful, but you as a father and just like, wow, the he's that's my son. Huge, huge, huge. My, my, um, my wife said I jumped up when I saw him come out. Because mm. we didn't know. We didn't know what the birth was going to be when he came out. Really? Um, he's named Mikaeli after my best friend, uh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, um, he's my son, man. He's, he's my son. That's just, it really don't, I mean, I, you will see this, right? There's, it is hard to explain to folks who don't have kids how much you love them. Mm-hmm. It's that's it's like super hard to explain because you can say it and it doesn't really mean much. Right. When you when when your parents tell you everything I do is for you, that's really how it feels. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, I, I want to be successful. I want to I want to I want my kids to look up to me. I want to be able to provide them a nice life. You know, but when they're not happy and things aren't going well, none of the other things I'm doing are worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not it's just not. So I I I love ha- having him as my, my firstborn be my son has been incredible. But it's also been a, it's also been a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to live our lives through our kids. Right. And we want our kids to do all of the things that we didn't do. Right. We want them to be the best versions of us. Mm-hmm. And those kids did not come here to be the best versions of us. And I think my son taught me that really early, mm-hmm. that he was going to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've learned I've become a better man from being a father, mm-hmm. you know, from understanding that he wasn't going to like basketball the way I like basketball. Right. You know, he, he, he was not interested. He's his own person. Right. He's he's his own person. And to and to respect that and to honor it and to and to love that and to want him to grow and be that best person he can be, man, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I love I love I love my son. Hmm. Yeah. Did was it, you know, you coming from a single household. Yeah. Really not having your dad around. Yeah. How was it was it difficult at times trying to teach them something that you really didn't learn? I, you know, I didn't feel that way. I, I have to imagine that um, there were probably challenges I had to meet because I, you know, I right. was figuring it out on the fly and watching other people do it. Uh, parenting is hard enough itself, and, and, and you do the best you can. Right. Uh, early on, when they were younger, um, I was I was the person who got up with them in the middle of the night. Um, I was one of the they would come to me first. There was there was an age, there was a period of time, early on when they came to me first to do things, mm-hmm. and I remember. Uh, helping my son with a nosebleed, and he he says to me, he says, "Is this how it was with you and your father? Is this, mm. you know?" And and it wasn't, mm. uh, but I had the strength to tell him that it wasn't, so I told him it was, mm. and that was actually the impetus that that told me that I needed to become closer to my father, and my relationship with my father got better after I had my son, okay, because I started to understand even in its imperfectness the way you feel about your children. And that when he told me that he loved me, that he meant it, that he maybe he didn't do everything, mm-hmm. you know, that I would have liked him to do, but that in his own way that he really loved me. And I could tell that by the way I love my son. Mm. So, I, yeah. I could relate to that. Yeah. Um, my, my father, he wasn't there. They, they had gotten divorced. Um, yeah. And he, he wasn't there until really came back. I, I would always see him. Yeah. I would see him from time to time, but he wasn't there. Right. I knew he was there. But got a call one day and just told me everything. Yeah. Apologized to me. And I can say that was the very first time I heard him say that he mm-hmm. loved me too. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, I know. I know. Bring tears to your face, man. It was, it was just like, wow, he does. Yeah. 
And I know, you know, maybe you probably thought the same way that maybe he, maybe he doesn't. Right, right, right. Yeah. You start to, you know, if you don't spend enough time with people, because love is, is, is about time and energy and mm-hmm. connectedness. And when you don't have that, even when somebody tells you they love you, you don't always necessarily believe it. Right. But once I, once I had a son, I believed it. My, my father, and some people know this. Uh, I think you might know. Mm-hmm. My father died uh, at homecoming in 2016. Mm-hmm. I found out during the, during the football game that my father had, had, had passed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I really was more, much more emotional than I thought I would be. And, uh, you know, and even, even now today I can say I miss him, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and I appreciate what he I appreciate what he did for me. You know, mm-hmm. he did some things that he may not have done, but I appreciate the things that he did for me. Well, I always go by all things happen for a reason. That's right. So, um, but you still had lessons learned. Oh, definitely. Memories. Definitely. So, I'm, and you could pass them down to, you, to your son. And I'm still my father's child. Right. I'm still my father's child to right. this day. Now, let's and, go to the daughter. Yes! That's a, that's a totally different aspect. You, you have your, your, your boy... He wants you want him to be like you, but he's not like you. But having a daughter, yeah, totally different. The the other side of the spectrum. Yes. How was that? That is having a daughter is incredible. Um, first of all, I mean, I I love that girl like nobody's business, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm um, embarrassing you, honey. I didn't mean to, but <laughs> I have to say it. I, but I, I love her. I love her to death. I think she's, I think she's awesome. She is. She is about as close to me. In terms of who she is and how she moves, mm-hmm. um, than almost anybody. Right. Um, we are really, really alike in so many ways. Different in so many, but also alike in so many ways. Uh, and so it's just a pleasure to watch her move. She's she is easily one of the smartest people I've ever met in my whole life. Mm. I mean, ever, ever. I think wow. she's you know you know gosh darn genius. Yeah, very uh, artistic. Very very artistic. But that's not even that's not even half. I mean, what what you see, mm, she's. Mm-hmm. She is as as she can do almost everything as well as she does art. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. It's just whatever she chooses to do. Wow! Uh, and so it is quite amazing, uh, and I'm amazed with her. So, uh, oh, hold on, uh, Danette, how much time? Are you? You're three o'clock in the morning. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Give five more minutes. Well, I apologize. Okay. You see, I just got in trouble, and yeah. I think I done made you late for class. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Okay, but n- last topic. Okay, go ahead. You, we have covered everything, right? Yeah. So from from the son to the father yeah. to I didn't even get to the husband part, but it's okay because okay. we know and we see on campus how much you love your wife, I and do. it's it is such a beautiful relationship that I hope I you know I will have one day with with my girlfriend. And I'm sure you will. Right. I'm sure you will. Um, you being president of yeah. Virginia State University. Yeah. How how was it getting the call or, um, I guess, getting the message that you are now the president of Virginia State University? And, you know, you, you, we, we may have to do another one because mm-hmm. I'm just not sure I can get it all out. But I'll, I'll say this. It was then and continues to be an incredibly humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Virginia State University has been here for 137 years now. It is an institution that has changed so many people's lives. And when I say that, most people think I'm just talking about students, but I'm not. Mm. I mean, I'm talking about the faculty, the staff, um, what it's given all of us, what it's given the community. Um, It is beloved in a way that is, it deserves to be beloved. Mm -hmm. People love Virginia State. They want the best for Virginia State. And at this moment in time, 
I get to play a role here that is very influential and helps set the course for another 137 years. Mm. And that's very, very humbling. It's very humbling. I mean, it, it's almost a feeling when I talked about having children. Right. And you know how much you love your children. I, you, you know, you, in some ways, parents say, I, I, I die for my kids. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who view Virginia State University with that kind of reverence as if a family member, you know, a son or a daughter or a father or a mother, and they have that kind of reverence for yeah. it. And to be in this role to kind of help, help steer it, you know, in the right direction to help, you know, keep us students centered, um, is something that's that's humbling. I'm I'm humbled by it every day. It's it's hard, mm-hmm. um, not hard in a bad way, you right. know, but hard in a way that it's so serious and it's so important that you you don't want to take anything lightly, no relationship lightly. And so, um, I'm just incredibly honored, you know, to do it to be counted among the fourteen. You know, mm, right. Um, you know that somebody will say one time, "This is what happened while Abdullah was, you know, was 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 president." Right. Um, you know, but I try to be mindful of the fact. And I think I told you this, which is part of the reason you, you named the thing. I mean, I at some point, um, it will just as it has been thirteen people before me. There will be a fifteenth president of Virginia State University. Right. Uh, uh, and on that day, you know, I will I will go back to being me. Um, still loving Virginia State, but now supporting someone else doing doing this work, mm-hmm. uh, and so I try not to. The key is to try not to get too you know too caught up uh, in in the suit uh, because it is Virginia State's. The presidency is Virginia State's. Yeah. It's not mine. Right. You know, it's that's not mine. It is. It has been loaned to me mm-hmm. for the time frame that Virginia State has loaned it to me right. to wear, to act, and to do. Uh, and at some point, you know, I will thank Virginia State University, hand it back so so she can hand it to the, the next man or woman to do this work. Maybe even you. Uh, you know, who knows? Um, yeah. You know, so it is it is very humbling. And I think that's a whole other, I could, right. I could go a whole other podcast. Right. Well, for you saying that it's an honor for you, it is an honor for me and, and the Trojan family to have you as the 14th president. And I really appreciate the time because I'm, I'm we're oh, yeah, over, we're over <laughs> yeah, we're over time, but... Thank you. And if you could just say one more thing as a yeah. closing statement to, to the Trojan family, to whoever's listening, what would you say? Because uh, to, 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 I, I believe mostly students are going to be listening. Yeah. So to, to those, to the sound of my voice, um, your success is preordained. Mm. You have everything in you to accomplish the things that you want. Virginia State University is a pathway to that. College is a pathway to that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't define you. You will, you will define you, and you've got that. And I've got nothing but, but, but uh, uh, respect and honor and belief in your success already. Wow. Well, thank you so much. It was really an honor. And for those who's listening, you know, point blank period, have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. All right.